ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for joining us for this latest episode of the INC podcast. My name is Carl Boomage and I am joined by the Morecambe to my wise, the Luke Thomas to my Brian Campbell. Please say hello to Claire Richardson, better known as Uncle Joey MMA. Claire, how have you been? What's going on? I'm pretty good to be here. We had a pretty entertaining card last night. Pretty excited to open up about it. Yeah. Do you understand any of those analogies which I always give at the start of the show? I was gonna, I was gonna say you're my Brian Callen to my Brendan Shaw, but that would be pretty low bar to hit. So. <laughs> well, that's, that's harder for you because I'd much rather be Callen than Shaw, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. I guess I could be Shaw. That's all right. And I want to say a big thank you as well to anybody who might be joining us for the first time. Uh, I had the great privilege of talking to um, BBC Radio Newcastle about this podcast, just getting ourselves a little bit of publicity. And considering this was just something I started as a joke, just something to just sort of pass the time and to try and show that I could do more than just funny YouTube videos. The fact that I've got a local radio station plugging my work, it's... It doesn't make me big-headed, but I just feel really proud of myself that we've managed to reach that position. So if you are joining us for the first time, a big thank you. And we'll take on board all the feedback to try and make this as good as we possibly can. Yeah, pretty impressed, actually. I didn't expect you to do something like that. <laughs> you do realize there's about 200, 300 Geordies now who know who you are. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm reaching worldwide status right now. And that's what we all need. So if you are listening to us on any of the uh, social media platforms, anywhere that you get your podcast from, please give us a like. Please subscribe to the Twitter page, which is twitter.com forward slash INCageFighting. Please give us all the support that you can because it's only helping the channel to grow that ever tiny little bit bigger. I'm pretty sure you got a Twitter page now. I don't know if you've been plugging that as well. We have been, yes. I've been going on all the follow trains. I've been getting people coming in and liking <laughs> all the stuff, which is a big thank you to them. It does feel really satisfying when you actually do find people liking your stuff. Because it's all like, oh, yes, yeah. I'm not just rambling into the wilderness. I have actually got people who care about what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. There's people out there that care. <laughs> you just got to find them. <laughs> exactly. So, we've got a jam-packed show which has been happening today, and I tell you what, considering considering we're still in this sort of limbo mode when it comes to mixed martial arts, obviously we haven't got the crowds back, um, we're still doing stuff in the UFC Apex, I think that the UFC have done a good job trying to restore as much order as they possibly could. Uh, we've got a truckload of fights which are being booked, and the ones that I really want to focus on is what's happening in, I think, just about three or four weeks' time, because... We'd heard all the rumours about Fight Island. Uh, is it going to be like this tropical paradise? Are we going to be having palm trees and the beach in the background? Is it going to be something similar to what we had with Bordog, mm. if you remember them? Yeah. The reveal of Fight Island did happen. And I think it's safe to say that a lot of people were expecting more than what they're actually getting. Yeah, I, I think people are expecting to like... Uh... Dana White to fly out in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle or something like that, but instead he just uh, took probably the smarter, the more uh, economical option, and that's just booking Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi. That's where they did uh, UFC 112, I th I don't think it 112, whichever 112, one was uh, uh, Silva versus Maya. That was UFC 112. Okay, so I was right. So yeah, they just went back there. Uh, I think he said that there's going to be an octagon on the beach, so 
he's trying to appease everybody. So, yeah. To be fair to Dana, he never said what Fight Island was going to be. He put out the name, and I think the media just ran with that. Yeah, yeah. People like Boss Logic posting, like, posters with epic Khabib flying in on an eagle, and Justin Gaethje sitting in the octagon waiting for him. Like, people were pretty getting carried away with that that's definitely for i sure. mean even john oliver was talking about it he tr- he asked to uh, trademark the term ufc so when the ufc actually <laughs> did uh trademark that phrase oliver was saying well you owe me some money now because i came up with that <laughs> that's pretty funny but yeah i think it's a good idea i think it's pretty much a, I, i'm not disappointed or anything i wasn't i believed in it i thought it was gonna happen i just didn't think it was gonna be as crazy as everybody thought it would be but yeah i don't feel disappointed or anything it's still an island it's still technically an island uh, not really because i know about yaz island because that's where they <laughs> hold the uh, formula one grand prix and it's okay it's artificial it's f- but fight artificial landmass wouldn't have the same thing to it okay i didn't know that i thought it was just technically an island because it's got the name in it it's sort of like saint lawrence island in montreal Okay. Because they okay, created that uh, for the uh, for the Olympics. Okay. All right. Well, I guess it's still technically an artificial island. So there you go. It is now the indications that we've been seeing are that Fight Island's first official event will be taking place at USC 251, and I don't know about you. As much as we've enjoyed some of the fights which have been happening, and we'll be talking a bit more detail about what we think of the. UFC Apex setup. We had a massive supercard when the UFC came back from its lockdown. But I think it's safe to say that UFC 250 and the Jessica Vi versus Cynthia Calvillo fight, in terms of star power, was sort of underwhelming to a lot of those casual fans. And I think the UFC yeah. have seen that and thought, we're going to knock it out the park. So, Fight Island July 11th, we have got a jam packed card as things stand right now. Three types yes. of fights. The undercard looks amazing as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Certainly, if you're a, if you're a fight fan, a lot to look forward to. Yeah, I feel like they sort of pushed out uh, I versus Calvillo and uh, two fifty. Just sort of, I don't want to say it's padding, but I guess you could say yeah, sort of a little bit it's padding, so we don't get you know forgetting about UFC or anything. I guess they sort of just wanted maybe contractual obli- obligations. That's with, what I've uh, always heard. ESPN, yeah, that might that might be something to do with it. Because honestly, why would you want to set up something like Alvarez's Cal- Calvio for a full fight card? So I've got a yeah, theory I, about I think that it's one. a little bit of a mixture of a couple of things, definitely. I've got a theory why we'll when we talk about that card in a bit more detail. I'll tell you my little theory as to why they've done that fight. It's a bit of a, a bit <laughs> conspiratorial, this one. Okay. Going back to UFC 251, though, and somebody pointed this out on, um, on Twitter, I think, that as good as UFC 251 is, in a lot of ways, it's a rehash of UFC 245. Because somebody pointed this out. UFC 245, we had three title fights. The main event was Kamaru Usman headlining, which is happening this time. The core main is Volkanovski versus Holloway, exactly the same core main as back in December. And the third title fight features Pieter Jan and Jose Aldo, who were both on the undercard of USC 245. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty spooky to see, actually. The only thing that's missing is uh, Nunes fighting JDR for a second time, you know? 
So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. It looks pretty pretty damn close, actually. But uh, instead of Nunez, we get just as good uh, Paige Van Zandt versus Reboss. So that's good enough to be a well, it's, card. It's Amanda. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, Amanda versus somebody with three initials. Yeah, that would be pretty... Um, I'll tell you what, I am going to go to the Davis Conspiracy Theorist, and I am going to post that to that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about those fights in um, a bit more detail, though, because we'll start first and foremost with the main event. Now, Kamara Usman was expected to be headlining, mm -hmm. and all the indications seemed to be that it was going to be um, Jorge Masvidal who was going to be taking that fight. We all know what happened next with the contractual issues. This has been sort of brewing behind the scenes for a long time. The Masvidal feels that he's, he deserves to earn a lot more than what he's actually getting. The UFC made him a deal for this fight. Their belief was that because Usman is a lower level opponent and less, low, and less high profile than Nate Diaz, he should be earning less money than what he got for the Diaz fight. Masvidal thought, well, I'm the BMF right now. I'm one of the biggest names in the sport. I deserve to have a bit, few more dollars. I heard at the last mm -hmm. minute they tried offering him the same amount as what he got for the Diaz fight. Masvidal turned that down and as a result is off the card entirely. Very Do you know how much that was? Do you know how much that was, the Diaz fight? How much he got paid for that? I'm afraid I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, go ahead, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. And while you do that, I'll talk about some of the um, other fights which are happening on the card. As mentioned, Alex Volkanovski and Max Holloway. That's going to be a rematch from UFC 245. I have a couple of question marks about that fight in itself, which we'll get to. Piotr Jan versus Jose Aldo. That's going to be for the Bantamweight belt. Uh, rounding off the main card, Jessica Andrade and Rose Namajunas. Rematch from their fight at UFC 237. Amanda Hebas yeah. is taking on Paige Van Zandt. And the undercard, even the undercard looks jam-packed because we've got Pedro Munoz fighting Frankie Edgar, which is going to be Edgar's bantamweight debut. Edgar also fighting at Yaz Island, same place where he beat BJ Penn for the lightweight belt. Oh, wow. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Didn't remember that. Big upset. I personally thought BJ won that fight. Okay, okay. I got to go back and watch that. A lot of Edgar's fights, I forget. Like, the only ones that really come to my mind are just the, the main or the, the trilogy that he had with him. That was incredible. But, yeah, I definitely got to go back and watch some of BJ's old fights. Like, everybody always tells me to watch uh, Sanchez versus BJ. So, yeah. BJ's performance in that fight is absolutely incredible. And I know Joe Rogan often gets memed on when he says when he immediately says that this is the greatest fighter in this division's <laughs> history. BJ genuinely was after that fight. He didn't put a foot wrong in that matchup. Which one? The Sanchez one? Yeah, the Sanchez fight. Okay. Because considering right. how, how much praise Diego Sanchez always got for his toughness, to mm -hmm. stop Diego Sanchez at that time, I think it's, it's a testimony to how good BJ was at that point. I'm actually thinking about doing this series, you know, on the YouTube channel where I'm looking at sort of classic event reviews. So if yeah, somebody, that's a good idea. If somebody did, say, do donate a bit of money to Patreon and said, I want you to review Penn versus Sanchez, I'd happily do it. We've actually got somebody who's put forward a suggestion, so I'm going to be working on that over the next couple of weeks, as well as the regular INC stuff. So how much money did Masvidal get paid then? 
Uh, it says that he got like half a million here. God damn, I didn't realize it was that much. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And considering, yeah, yeah. considering what Masvidal is, I mean, as much as he's been riding this sort of wave of popularity and he's fighting mm-hmm. arguably the best he has, it is a very short-term wave, I feel. So the UFC, I think, maybe are taking the right call, but sort of erring on the side of caution, because all it takes is one loss, and Masvidal's mm-hmm. lost all of that momentum and all that reasoning to give him the big bucks. Yeah, all it takes is that one Wonder Boy performance to happen. Like in his, <clears throat> excuse me, his last uh, Wonder Boy fight. Like all it takes is for something like that to happen, and his stock will just go completely down. And people completely. forget how dominant Wonder Boy was in that fight. Mm-hmm. So I brought it up. <laughs> it was a completely dominant display. And I think Incredible. before that, he'd lost against Damian Meyer as well. So he was on a two-fight losing streak before mm-hmm. he sort of reinvents yeah. himself as Street Jesus and goes on this massive run. Mm-hmm. It was because he went on that Mexican reality show, dude. He was out for a year because he was on some Mexican reality show. <laughs> I remember I used to watch that with my... Uh, my old roommate, he's from, uh, oh, I forget where he's from, but he's from Mexico. We used to watch that together. <laughs> so there you yeah. go. Reality TV does have a purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Luke Rockhold, I think he was on. Um, he was on the was that Millionaire Looking for Love or whatever, like that one billionaire matchmaker show. And uh, he was on there and then he won the belt, I'm pretty sure. So there you go. <laughs> I think Michelle Waterson was on a reality TV show as well. Okay. Like very early in her career, I think she was on. Uh, she was on something focusing on like female fighters. I think Felice Herrick was on the same show, so she's oh, really? technically yeah. a reality star as well. Well, I think she was on Family Feud recently with Woodley and everybody. Actually, I think Wonderboy was there too. They got like pretty much all the most clean-cut UFC fighters they could get and put them on Family Feud. I don't know if that's aired yet. That'll be a good idea to watch. Tell you what, that's a video you should make at some point. You should do like rea- like MMA fighters on reality television. Because I'm sure... Yeah, splice footage of like Big Brother fights and then like in between footage of like the Ultimate Fighter or something. Well, I think Chuck did the celebrity version. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. He did. I forgot. I think he got voted off in like the first episode or something. <laughs> yeah, sharing it with such luminaries as uh, Omar Rose there and... Um... I'm sure there'll be some boy band members in there somewhere. Yeah, I got no idea. I don't even watch Big Brother. <laughs> don't. Yeah, uh, I think there was a a UK show that uh, Charlie Brooker did, and it was um, sort of a, dead a set. spin on... Yeah, Dead Set. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's really good. That's the closest thing I've seen to Big Brother. <laughs> Speaking of Big Brothers, uh, it brings us on to Gilbert Burns, because if there has been one mm-hmm. beneficiary, do you see what I did there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see what you mean. Because um, if there has been one beneficiary of Masvidal sort of negotiating with the UFC and eventually choosing, choosing to turn down this fight, it has been Gilbert Burns, because I just want to put this into perspective. Ten months ago, Gilbert Burns fought on the prelims of Fight Night Uruguay against Alexei Konchenko. And now, ten months later, he's going to be fighting for a UFC welterweight title. And in a lot of people's eyes, has a very good chance of winning this fight. It is a fantastic turnaround. Yeah, really. Uh, ever since he went to that uh, that whole division change, he's just become 
whole new animal, really. Uh, best example I could bring of that is probably uh, don't want to say Anthony Johnson because he was pretty much killing himself, but I want to say uh, RDA when he went to welterweight. That was like the first real fighter to do it and have huge success. Like he was, uh, he was on the cusp of the title shot when he fought Covington. That was an interim title, I believe. So. Story I yeah. always heard was that it was supposed to headline 224, him versus Woodley, and then Woodley really? turned down the fight because he wanted to be on the um, he wanted to be on the steeper DC undercard. So that okay. was supposed to headline 224. I think Woodley didn't like the idea of fighting in Brazil either, but RDA was in a real good run of form. The guy who yeah. most reminds me of is Anthony Smith. Oh, okay. Yeah, because, I can see that. Because quite similar to Anthony Smith as well, a lot of Gilbert's success mm -hmm. has been through taking any fight that he could. Somebody needs a short notice fight at 170 pounds. Gilbert was saying, hey, you know what? Stuff it. I want to get paid. I'm going to go in there. And before you know it, he's breaking into the top 15. He's getting the fight with Damian Meyer, and then he dominates Tyron Woodley. It's a fantastic story. And I think that, dare I say, if Gilbert was American, I think people mm -hmm. would see him as a bit more of a fan favorite. I think he's still, it's still a hard sell. Usman versus Gilbert Burns, and I think that's part of the reason why the UFC have stacked the undercard. Yeah, like, could you imagine if uh, Covington was fighting this much? He was taking these many fights and building himself this much. Like, that would be perfect for the UFC. That would be perfect if they had uh, Covington coming back off of that loss, getting some wins. But uh, he's still on the sidelines, of course. Uh, I do you think that rematch should have happened? I think the first fight was close. The first fight was close. Mm -hmm. It was entertaining. It's certainly a lot better than I thought it was going to be, which I'll hold my hands up and admit. But I've never been a big fan of immediate rematches unless there is a real... There's only two reasons why I would give a, an immediate rematch. If the result of the first fight was so controversial, they had to run it again. Or mm -hmm. it was a dominant champion who lost and should be given the opportunity to get the belt back to see whether or not it was a fluke. Those are the only times I would run one, personally. Yeah, like a good example of that would be uh, Woodley versus uh, Wonderboy 1 in the same fight. Yes. They had to run that back, obviously, but uh, clearly didn't work out for them. I guess they were both too gun-shy to really do anything after that first fight. Well, I think what happened in the first fight as well was that, if you remember the first round, Woodley got an early takedown. It was a 10-8 mm -hmm. round, and I think Wonderboy realized, I'm down here straight away. I need to start taking some chances. So he opened mm -hmm. up a lot more than what he maybe would have done. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, I'm excited to see what happens to Wonder Boy. Excited. I could possibly say, well, I personally plan this out. Assuming that Masvidal is going to just stick around with, say, a Connor fight, which I think is, personally, I think that's the most likely fight for both of them. I don't buy the idea that Connor's retired. Um, yeah. I would personally <laughs> go. I would personally say Wonderboy versus Leon Edwards, which I okay. could possibly see headlining maybe the July 15th card because that doesn't have a headliner yet. Um, and then do Colby versus maybe Michael Chiesa. <laughs> no way Colby's going to take that. <laughs> no, but I think from a ranking right perspective, that's a, that's, yeah. that's a fight which makes sense. And I think and Chiesa wants it as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, for the rankings perspective, that makes a lot of sense, but I don't see Colby ever taking that. I only see him taking the title or Masvidal. It's going to be interesting to see how Colby handles this, in my opinion, because yes. 
Yes. A lot of Colby's shtick was built around people wanting to see him lose. Now mm-hmm. that's happened, is the fan <laughs> interest still going to be there? Yeah, that's true. There was so much build-up around that uh, Usman fight. It was incredible. I remember seeing people tweeting out if Trump can win the election, Covington can win the belt. So, yeah, it was pretty crazy around that time, but I definitely agree with you. It's going to be pretty interesting to see what people's reactions are going to be. But I don't think right now people are pretty lukewarm on him. I think it's pretty, I don't want to say annoyance. He's just sort of there. He's not really... He's not really making any call-outs, really. He's not really making any waves. So, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen to Covington, to be honest. I've always felt with Colby is that there's nothing wrong with playing a heel character. And I think yes. Chill is the benchmark of that. Chill, because Chill had charisma. Chill knew exactly what to say and how to say it to try and sell a fight. Mm-hmm. I feel like you've got to, you've got to rile up the crowds, but you've sort of got to be in on the joke. Because that's something that Henry Cejudo did very well, in my opinion. Because <laughs> Cejudo's shtick was so ridiculous and over the top with the whole uh, intergender champion thing that you couldn't take it seriously. <laughs> you found it funny. I feel like Colby's is just a bit too close to the bone. I think when you get politics involved in anything, it's always a very touch-and-go subject. So I think he made a mistake there. And also, I don't think that his shtick was all that clever. Yeah, it was pretty uh, unoriginal. He's basically going uh, full-on political, basically full-on American, basically, if any if any European goes into that without any real knowledge on Americans, they'll think that's like a, the classic American, really. <laughs> but, I mean, if you wanted to create an artificial character with the intention of winding people up, like, Super Trump fan is one of the easier options there. I mean, with Cejudo, maybe he went old school. He went whole Bobby Vicks thing. I was thinking, good on you. <laughs> yeah, with Cejudo, he's taking it more in, uh, I don't want to say he was laughing at himself, but he was sort of um, sort of putting on a show. That's the yes. best example. Yes. He's putting on a show for everybody. It's more entertainment. But with uh, Covington, it's more he's just trying to piss you off. <laughs> yes. I think there's a, there's a way to try and sell a fight. I don't think that he's choosing the right one. Just focus on the um, other things in regards to UFC 251. Obviously, we're doing Volkanovski versus Max Holloway. We talk about rematches and fights that should be run back. Is this one for you? Because personally, I think Featherweight has enough talent that you can maybe get away with. I would personally love to see Volkanovski versus Zombie. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen Volkanovski versus Zombie on this. I'd have to go back and rewatch the Holloway fight, but I remember... From what I remember when it ended, I don't remember calling for a, a rematch immediately. It wasn't one of those fights. It wasn't one of those fights. I feel like if we're comparing it to Covington versus Usman, Usman versus Covington is definitely a fight that you would want a rematch instead. But uh, I think they should have done Volkanovski versus Zombie and then maybe set up Yair versus Zabi on this card. I think that's set up in August, but I would have liked to have seen that on the main card instead of Paige Van Zandt versus Reboss. I feel like that would have been a perfect perfect fight to have there instead. I would have gone Zabit versus Ortega and done Max mm-hmm. versus Yair. Because that would have been the statement win for Yair to say, hey, I'm a contender as well. Yeah, that would be a pretty, pretty big jump for Yair. But I feel like they would probably give 
if Holloway wasn't for fighting for the belt, I feel like they would probably give that to. They probably set up. I'm thinking maybe Zabit versus Holloway. That's what I'm thinking. That would be a hell of a fight. To be honest, the first two rounds of any Zabit fight are always going to be amazing. It's just mm-hmm. that third round once he starts tiring. Mm-hmm. But when I say that, it's gotta be it's gotta be five rounds. It's gotta be a five round Holloway be. fight. Because he mm-hmm. got away with that with uh, Calvin Cater. I personally mm-hmm. think if that's a five round fight, Cater wins. There's another guy as well that we're not talking about. Calvin Cater's right in the mix. Oh yeah, I knocked out Jeremy Stevens, flatlined him at uh, that was the first show back, right? Two forty nine. Two forty nine, yeah. Hell of a yeah, knockout think, as well. Yeah, I don't think we've ever talked about that, but he's right in the mix there. Really, yeah, <laughs> so many featherweight killers. And there was once upon a time this wasn't even in the UFC. There was no featherweight mm-hmm. division, and now I personally think it's it's as good, if not better, than lightweight. Yeah, really. Uh, Probably uh, a couple of years ago, the only time we saw this was in WEC, really. There was nothing in the UFC like this. And the other one, of course, is the bantamweight division, Piotr Jan versus Jose Aldo. Again, another mm-hmm. fight with a lot of question marks around it in regards of whether it should be a bantamweight title fight. Because your number one and your number two in the division are Aljamain Sterling and Marlon Marais, yet you're given the title shot to number three and number six. I know, I know that the rankings have had less relevance over the years, but I think you're just taking the mick here. I know why they've done it. They want the star power of Jose Aldo, and they want Piotr Jan to be that sort of big statement win, so they want Jan to beat Aldo, so he can mm-hmm. just say, hey, this is the new guy. This is the top guy now. Big Russian, uh, big Russian name for our new burgeoning audience. Yeah, when they set up uh, Aldo versus Cejudo, that a lot of people weren't weren't happy with that, including you. But uh, I saw some points to it when they originally set it up, like it being in Brazil. Yes, they tried to bring him as like the main pay per view draw for that country. But now that that fell through and Cejudo versus Cruz happened, it doesn't really make any sense anymore i feel like they should have just went back to the drawing board with aldo with that they shouldn't have set this up especially uh, after we saw what aljo did to Corey sandhagen yeah i thought that fight would have immediately killed talks about that but of course right after in the press conference dana said that's that fight is pretty much a done deal so they shot themselves in the foot instead of just waiting i mean if it was me and i'm in the minority here I would have done Aljo versus Sandhagen for the vacant belt and had that headline mm-hmm. 250. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I mean, I don't... It's that balance that you need to have between what's best for business and what's best for the sport. I think the UFC mm-hmm. always struggle to walk this tightrope. Personally, to me, I think they're leaning towards the business side maybe a little bit too much yeah and these uh these troubling times you could say i guess they're they're focusing way too much on this we saw it a little bit before with um adesanya versus romero Romero. yeah and then they announced cejudo versus aldo a little bit before the the lockdown and all that so they were definitely leaning into that but now we're seeing it on a pretty extreme scale well, I know WME are really struggling financially. They had to furlough a lot of people, obviously, due to the lockdown. And okay. 
obviously they spent a truckload of money getting themselves into debt to buy the UFC. So they think they're trying to go for the, the big money deals because this isn't a new thing. I mean, it happened sporadically mm-hmm. even in the Zuffa either when you were given Brock a title shot and you were doing Chael. Chael versus, versus Jones. Chael versus Chael. Jones. But it's a lot more frequent since WME yes. took over. Because what was they, their, even their first shows after the takeover, you had Diaz versus McGregor 2, you had CM Punk's debut, you had Michael Bisping versus Dan Henderson, the free title fight card in New York. So they were already going very casual friendly with a lot of the first few shows that they put out. That explains why I got hooked onto UFC so quickly because you're describing the exact timeline of when I uh, when I got hooked onto UFC. Really, uh, 203 was the one that really got me with uh, Stipe versus uh, Overeem fight. So, <laughs> yeah, they were definitely appealing to the right market there. I mean, don't get me wrong. My first show was a kind of pay-per-view, UFC 196. Mm. Yeah. But I thoroughly enjoyed what I saw and I thought... I need to tune in for the next one. And I hear that this guy, John Jones, apparently is very good, so I tune in for UFC 197. And from that point on, I haven't missed a show since, and I'm trying to make a make a career out of talking about it. Badly, mm-hmm. mind you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not supposed to agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else stands out for you on UFC 251? I, I think it's pretty clear Paige Van Zandt versus Reboss on the mm. main card. What is up with that? When you got Frankie Edgar, like, headline in the prelims. Like, what the hell is that? Two reasons, I think. One, Paige Van Zandt, obviously very casual friendly. Also, potentially could be her final fight in the UFC. Because all the indications are she's going to go to Bellator to join with her husband, Austin oh, Van yeah. Fort. Uh, but also, as well, Hebas has a lot of hype behind her based off mm. her performances against Dern and uh, Randa Marcos. So if it goes the way they do, Hebas gets herself a big statement win against Paige Van Zandt. That propels her into the top 15, and then they can look into a lot of big fights in that division. Strawweight is absolutely killing it these days. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I think that's flyweight, though. Yeah, women's flyweight. Oh, of course but, uh... it is. So, <laughs> no, I, I, is it a flyweight fight? I think Paige might yeah, be Yeah, that's moving. what it says on Google. Well, I definitely need to check that out because I, I can't picture Hebas. Because Hebas has had a lot of success at strawweight. I don't see what benefits you would have of moving moving up in weight. Because it's not like she struggles to get to 115. Yeah, it's pretty strange, actually. Let me look that up. Hebas versus Paige Bans. Yeah. Uh... Well, while you look that up, the guy I'm, I'm obviously looking forward to, not getting as much talked about, Cyril Garn. He was supposed mm-hmm. to fight Shamil Abdurakimov. Shamil, unfortunately, has had to pull out of that fight. They're scrambling around to try and get themselves a replacement. I've heard Alexi Olenek is potentially a consideration which is being put forward. Oh, yeah. uh, but trust me, I've, there's a couple of guys I have been really high on for a long time. One of them is fighting this weekend, Shane Burgos. We'll be talking about that fight in a bit more detail. And the other one, Civil Garn. Because here we've got a guy who is very young by heavyweight standards. And his footwork and his movement is incredible for a man of his size. He moves like a featherweight. I definitely recommend you check out uh, his fight with Dontel Mays. Because his kickboxing and his uh, footwork, he's striking top-notch. And then, to top it all off, when it's with an ankle lock, 
So okay. this great kickboxer also has a submission game to go with it. And training partners with Francis Ngannou as well. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Better have a good chin then. <laughs> oh, it's a guaranteed. It's guaranteed. If he fights with Francis, mm -hmm. well, I believe Blagoy is one of Francis's teammates as well. And everyone's been wondering how the hell he takes so many shots. There's your answer. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, oh, wait, no, that was the, uh, I was thinking he took a flying knee from Derek Lewis, but that was the, uh, which fight was that? I that think was a, uh, that was Latifi, I think. Yeah, Latifi. I, I was going to keep on saying Texera, but no, that was Latifi. <laughs> the other stocky, bald guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting them mixed up. <laughs> and I assume, being the big rising man, you're interested in Volkan versus Prochaska. Yeah, that'll be a huge, huge fight. I believe uh, Manel Cape, he's got a fight lined up as well, actually. 252. I think he's fighting Hojirio Bontarin. Yeah, his last fight was against Ray Borg. I, I think they said in his contract they were going to give Manel a high-ranked opponent. So, But it is flyweight, so what are you going to really do there? But that's a pretty good fight for Manel. I'll be very surprised if he faces any adversity. I'm very high in the Manel train, I'll tell you that. If he gets one big knockout in that win and he gets on the mic, we could either have a Nate Landwehr situation or we'll have... Anthony Hernandez situation where he debuted and he knocked out um who was that Darius Darius in like the first minute or so so yeah except without the dirty glove touch as well <laughs> and I think the one thing that the flyweight division has needed it needs that sort of big knockout artist because yeah like bantamweight on the whole has a relatively solid spirit of popularity and yet you drop another ten pounds and yet you got these guys who I mean, the flyweights can put on some cork and fights, but for whatever reason, the casual fans just don't care for them. I think maybe because they are just a bit too small for their own good, and maybe they are a bit too grappling heavy. So if you have knockout guys like Manel Cape, like Davidson Figueredo, it's going mm -hmm. to attract a lot more people to that division, potentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, because the Figueredo versus Benavidez fight, that was a great fight. That, the, uh, the rematch is going yeah. to be on the July 18th fight night. Yeah, so you can very well see Manel calling out Figueredo or Benavidez. So, yeah, we'll have to see. Very excited for that one. But, yeah, going back to Yuri, he's going to be fighting uh, Volkan. That's going to be an incredible fight. I don't see that ever going to a decision. Somebody's going to get knocked out in that fight. But uh, Yuri, he's definitely coming off of some huge steam. Like, he hasn't lost since that one fight to King Mo back in 2015. That was uh, during a tournament, I believe. And he just got caught. He was getting too reckless with King Mo, and he just got caught with a huge, huge hook. And he got knocked out brutally. But ever since then, he, he beat King Mo. And uh, I think that was... Uh, either last April or the April before, he beat King Mo. And then he beat... Um, C.V. Dalloway and Fabio Maldonado, and they signed him with a contract, and that was, I'd say, we're about to see what's going to happen. Certainly so. Uh, UFC 251, I think, is going to be a very, very interesting show, and obviously, they're going to have to deal with the climate that comes with fighting in Abu Dhabi as well, which mm -hmm. had a massive factor, in my opinion, on 242. A lot of fighters commented that they struggled with the heat fighting in that sort mm -hmm. of makeshift arena. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting to see what they do because the first fight I could see 
them uh, finishing the fight and somebody complaining that it's way too hot on the canvas and then them taking like a five-minute break and then you come back and there's like a huge tarp overneath the the octagon i could see that happening because if they set it up on a beach and there's like sand everywhere and it's in abu dhabi like it's gonna be so freaking hot man <laughs> oh sorry sorry <laughs> it's accidentally set on my desk trust me i have had much worse happening on live live broadcasting <laughs> no, I was sitting up and my knee accidentally slammed the desk. <laughs> Had that happened before? I think I was at work actually. Stopping me knee off the top of my desk. Absolutely killed like hell. <laughs> so no, that's I was just it. worried about the recording. I didn't want it to spike or anything. <laughs> that's everything that's happening on July the 11th. We need to go back to what happened yesterday. There was a UFC mm. fight night which took mm -hmm. place, which was Jessica I, who headlined against Cynthia Calvillo. Can't believe I actually said that. And I tell you what, for all of the grief, for all of the ridicule, for all of the problems that that show had in terms of fights falling through, in terms of the weak headliner, in terms of the number of fighters who missed weight, everyone just thought, why the hell should I watch this? This is just going to be an absolute disaster. And then we have three sub-minute knockouts in the first three fights. Yeah, I think that was a UFC record. I think Hawani tweeted out that that's like the first card to ever do something like that. Just pretty incredible. So, yeah, when you look at the card on paper, like even Google here, it says that it was supposed to be in Saskatoon. So if they had that in Saskatoon, that would be that would be really bad <laughs> ticket sales. I'd be pretty pissed to be a Canadian fan living in Saskatoon. But, yeah, in terms of uh, what happened, incredible card. Incredible card, especially from uh, probably the most telling performance was probably from Tyson Nam, I presume. That was a hell of a knockout. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's Daruk, or I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Zaruk Adashev's. Yeah, Adashev. I, I, I used to watch him in K1, like I've seen him in K1, so that was pretty incredible to happen, to be honest. <laughs> like, I was watching that, and obviously, I saw Agbulaeva get the first knockout. And then I saw Nam get the second one. I was just thinking, whoa, what's just happened there? Two quick knockouts there. And then I realized, <laughs> well, the next fight's going to be a women's fight. So that's not going to happen anymore. We're not going to have another seven-minute knockout. And then Julia Avila just destroys Gina Mazzani. I'm just thinking, <laughs> what the hell's going on? Well, yeah, I remember, uh, I think Gina Mazzani fought on that Halifax card. That was on. She's, she fought Sarah McMahon and... McMahon gave her a lot of pressure and got her out of there early. So I knew something like that could happen. But it was on the ground, I believe. I think she choked her out or something. But, uh, yeah, good <laughs> Julia just didn't uh, – she just didn't set off the gas. She just kept on going forward, and Mazzani just couldn't handle it. She landed a, a good knee. There was, like, a clinch at the beginning of that exchange, and that pretty much that pretty much ended it for her. It's a, I, I actually feel a bit sorry for Gina Mazzani as well because – her last mm -hmm. fight in the UFC was against Macy Chasson, and that was a quick knockout as well. So she actually got cut by the company. But when Avalar's fight fell through, I'm not sure who she was supposed to fight. Um, they brought I in Mazzani on just like a one-fight deal. So this is pretty much last chance for okay. saloon for Gina Mazzani. One week's notice, she knows she needs to get herself a win and a good performance. And then, of course, that happens. So you start to feel a bit sorry for her. Yeah, it's awful, really. I haven't seen Gina Mazzani get that huge win, to be honest. Can't really think of any fights I've seen her in other than the ones that she's lost in. It's, it's horrible to say, but it's true. 
And I believe as well they showed a stat which said that Avila actually has the fourth fastest knockout in women's bantamweight history. Yeah, yeah. The, all the other ones were Ronda and then JDR's versus yeah. uh, Lad knockout was in there as well. Yeah, one so. and one and two were Ronda. Then it was Jermaine. <laughs> then Avila, and number five was Ronda. Yeah, <laughs> all Ronda. Yeah, and don't you forget it. <laughs> No, a fantastic performance there from Julia Avila, and the thing that the bantamweight division needs more than anything is some new, exciting blood, so I'm glad she's managed to do that. In terms of other fights that happened there, um, obviously we'll need to talk about the main event, which was Jessica Vai versus Cynthia Calvillo. Uh, big statement went from Calvillo, looked very... Um, I didn't think there were any major issues in terms of Calvillo's mm-hmm. performance, looked pretty dominant against Jessica Vai. But it did highlight that the flyweight division still needs a lot of work. Because as good as Cynthia Calvillo is, I wouldn't say she was an elite level strawweight. And yet she, here she is, taking out a former bantamweight. And arguably put, putting herself in contention for a title shot. Yeah, that's pretty surprising or I guess telling of a division when you see a fighter like that go down in flyweight and then just immediately be in contention for a title shot just off of a decision win off of Jessica it's pretty telling (laughs) and I think as well when you look at the size discrepancy between the two Mm. it wasn't really evident when they did the weigh-ins but you saw how big Jessica Rye looked compared to Cynthia Calvillo Mm -hmm. yeah it was pretty big and I when she was going in to weigh-in she almost like died on the scale like that was that was awful (laughs) I think there's been a lot of, like, Jessica Rye has been quite vocal, as she always is, in terms of, like, fighters missing weight in the past. She actually deleted yeah. a tweet after she got all the blowback for it. But <laughs> yeah. am I the only one who's noticed that since she moved to Katua, she started having these issues with her weight? Because it, it was never really a problem when she was fighting in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And I don't know mm-hmm. whether they've encouraged her to put on more bulk, whether the nutritionists aren't as good over at Katua, but... She barely made weight when she fought Shevchenko. Obviously missed weight for the Arayu fight. And then of course missed weight this time round. And apparently it wasn't a quarter of a pound. She actually missed by three or four pounds and tried holding the towel to get around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently um, <clears throat> Calvillo's uh, manager or somebody like that got a text from someone on their team saying that she was at like 129 pounds or whatever. So yeah, she was gonna miss by a huge amount so maybe she did pull a towel or something maybe she thinks she, maybe she had like a huge bowel movement or something i don't i don't know i, I can't really try, try <laughs> can't to pull really a bit of a it. try to pull a bit of a dc there yeah that's what i'm thinking happened there at dc but you didn't really see that in the in the way and you saw her just shaking really bad it looked so bad dude it, I hate seeing that i've never been a big fan of weight cutting i think that one's mm-hmm. weight cut procedure which is more about uh, monitoring a fighter's hydration levels. I think that's a that's a much safer way to do it. Yeah, like there's no real like um, weigh-ins for one championship, but you don't hear about any fighters really having any problems about it either. So I don't know, maybe they're doing something right. Well, that stemmed from what happened with uh, Yan Jianbing. He was mm-hmm. supposed to fight a, a flyweight match for one championship, um, suffered cardiac arrest uh, because yeah. of. He dehydrated so much and one just implemented this procedure, which is, in my opinion, much safer. Personally, that's what I would go for. 
and it's because it stops the massive weight cutters. Like Paulo mm. Costa would be a light heavyweight if he had to use <laughs> one's weight cut procedure. Uh, like Johnny Hendricks, he'd be in heavyweight if they <laughs> they started out with that procedure. Harsh, harsh. It's such a shame as well because Hendricks was Hendricks was an animal at welterweight. Like you saw mm. even like pre you Johnny Hendricks was one of the most fierce knockout artists that you could come across. Yeah, he was uh, UFC's hitman. They pretty much put a hit out on John Fitch. That's the best. <laughs> that's the best UFC con job I could have ever thought of. Just get somebody like Hendricks against a boring fighter like Fitch, and there you go. You got an excuse to cut him. So that was pretty smart by Dana back then. But yeah, Hendricks back then was an animal. That fight with Robbie Lawler, both of them, great, great fights. fights. I personally thought nobody ever talks about. Him. Nobody ever really talks about those. Well, story I always heard was that they wanted to do Lawler vs. Hendricks 3. And that was the original plan for 189. But the fan demand wasn't high enough. So instead they went with uh, Robbie vs. Robbie. Okay. That worked out in their favour. It did work out in their favour. Just going back to Cynthia Calvillo, though. Dana White has been quite open and said that Calvillo is now in the mix for a title shot. And... You can see some of the arguments there, because she obviously she, she just beat the number one contender. Question marks over whether or not Jessica Rice should have been the number one contender in the first place, but stats are stats. And then you look at some of the other contenders who could be in line for that belt. There isn't really an obvious number one choice after Joanne Caldwell, so you can sort of see it from that perspective. However, I've never been a big fan of fighters who choose to move who move up in weight and then immediately get themselves a big fight. Personally, I think that you can have a lot of success in a different weight class, but you should start from a clean slate and work your way back to the top if you move yeah. up. So you look at people like Dos Anjos, Kelvin Gastelum. That's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Like even Dustin Poirier, they were all guys who earned title shots or interim yeah. titles, having to work from the bottom after switching weight classes. In my opinion, Cynthia Calvillo should have been doing the same thing. And as mm -hmm. good as this performance is, I would much rather give it to a natural flyweight who has worked hard to reach the top five. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, after this fight, you set up Calvillo versus the Rivas versus uh, Paige Van Zandt winner. I think that's a fight to go with because that's a, that's a flyweight fight as well. So I would go good. with Chukasian. Because okay. if she beats Chukasian, there's no argument she deserves that title shot because she'll have beaten number one and number two. So I would, okay. I would have. I'm just thinking about JoJo during all that. That's my thing. <laughs> I've got a funny feeling that JoJo is going to be on the undercard for either Khabib versus Gagey or Stipe versus DC. Okay, I think, I think the Gagey Khabib fight is happening in September. I September. Believe. So I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know what Shevchenko's fitness is like. Obviously, she took some time yeah. out to have surgery. But I think they're going to stick to their word. I think we will see Shevchenko versus Calderwood happening for the title. Because that was a booked fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, originally, I think they were going to have Shevchenko versus uh, Jojo on 251 with all these other title fights. So that, that would have been pretty interesting. You don't really see... Valentino on a big card like that. I don't think they've ever done more than three title fights. They, they wouldn't do three title fights, but it was on 251 back when it was supposed to be in Australia. 
because mm-hmm. that was yeah. going to be the undercard to Volkanovski yeah, yeah, versus yeah. Holloway too. And I mean, I'm a little bit biased because I personally, obviously, being British, I want to see a Brit fighting <laughs> for the belt. So Juan Caldwell getting that title shot would be good. I think it could be. I still expect Chev to win, but I'd mm-hmm. like to see a proper pure Muay Thai fight between these two because they're both Muay Thai beasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be a pretty interesting build-up. It'll be pretty interesting. I can't wait to see. Well, <laughs> I don't want to don't want to hype that yeah. fight up too much because uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard Chukagian to situation. Like I could see that fight playing a lot out, like the Caitlin fight. That's one. That's my fear as well from a Caldwell yeah. fans' perspective. Yeah. The other big issue I would have with Calvillo getting the title shot, and this is just me sort of airing some of my own personal frustrations. I've always had this feeling that Calvillo has always been a bit of a bit of a Dana White pet, because if you look at mm-hmm. if you look at Calvillo's fights that he's had in the UFC, they've either been main events or core mains for fight nights, or she's been on the pay per view main card. Which, considering how few fights she's had, I just feel it's... Dana's obviously seeing something in her that I personally aren't. I mean, she is a great submission expert, and I have been impressed with some of her wins. But she's not leaps and bounds above anybody else who's doing the same sort of thing. And if it's a marketability thing, I think there's girls out there who are much better to sell. If it's to do with the Mexican audience, then you've got girls like... Grasso and Irene Aldana, who in my opinion would be better advocates for that market. Obviously, Dana's seen something in her that I'm struggling to say, so I wouldn't like to see her fast track this quickly. But that's the impression I could feel like Dana White's gonna gonna make. She's also got a Usada suspension, doesn't she? She does, yes. Yeah, if Teep was in here, he'd be yelling that she's a cheater and all that. So, yeah, there's definitely sort of a stigma there from that you saw it up but i think a lot of people have sort of forgotten about it i think there's definitely not really people talking about that anymore but in terms of why he's holding there so high i think he is holding on to that sort of that as far as a loss he's a lot of people think that should have been um maybe a win for calvio maybe draw i don't know it's a pretty close fight not really a fight i want to go back and watch in complete detail and analyze over and over but yeah, maybe he does see that she could be this marketable fighter, but I I want to see her put up in a in like a marquee matchup with a another rising star like that, like a Hebos or a, a Suarez, but they don't really have a Suarez in the flyweight division. So, <laughs> well, the only one they did have was Macy Barber, and we also what happened mm-hmm. to her. Yeah, yeah. So that's I put, what I was thinking. I put it to you then. Let's say Juwan Caldwood does get the next flyweight title fight. Who would you go for, Calvillo or the next choice, which would be the Murphy versus Modafferi winner? <laughs> and Honestly, I'd, I'd want the Modafferi Murphy winner to fight Calvillo. I don't think Calvillo should be going off of a title shot this early. <laughs> I really think she needs one more. What else stood out for you in terms of the um, last Saturday's card? Um, probably the Vittori fight. That's the one that stood out because it was so quick. <laughs> and a very good performance from Marvin Vittori as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot of, I don't want to say hype, but a little bit of heat going on about uh, behind the scenes before that match started. But yeah, I feel like it was sort of a little bit 
over overhyped i think <laughs> like I <laughs> they, made they were going into that like it was the ultimate rivalry match or something in the promos <laughs> i made a i made a joke online where i sort of called marvin vittori this generation's gleason tebow in that a lot of okay. a lot of his hype was built around a close loss against an undefeated champion yeah yeah but yeah, he's he's deserving it. of the hype himself i think marvin vittori is going to be a real problem for a lot of middleweights coming up Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that Adesanya loss definitely sent him back. Like, uh, if he didn't lose that fight, imagine, just imagine what would have happened to him. He probably would have been fighting Gastelum or something. Do you imagine that? That would be hell of a fight. fight for the title instead of Adesanya. That would have been the ultimate parallel universe. Well, I was thinking about what how good Vitori versus Gastelum would be. Oh yeah, that would be incredible. <laughs> So yeah, on the whole, what would you say your opinion of I versus Calvillo was in terms of the actual fight card? Because given the lack of star power, okay, sure, my opinion. Yeah, in terms of uh, we should come up with a ranking system, like out of ten or something. I'd give that probably about a maybe a seven. I'd give that a seven out of ten. I think on the whole, I think the apex shows maybe it is the smaller octagon. I think the Apex shows have been knocking it out the park. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because I watched a lot of the Contender series. I'm not bothered by the lack of crowds. Yeah, really. Uh, I'm used to watching, like, in Ryzen, there's a crowd there, but they're always so so damn silent. So I'm used to hearing, you know, the corners and all that. Like, it, it's nothing too new. The only thing that's new is when there's a knockout and there's not, like, a huge reaction. Yeah. But... It's definitely, I like the small octagon. I like that. I think that's a cool idea. I think maybe maybe for fight nights, they should put in the small octagon. And then in pay-per-views, they do the, the full octagon. One. Yeah, what do you think about that? I think that's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. I think I think where I feel the crowds have been lacked, though, are the pay-per-views themselves. Yes, yes. Because we were sort of talking about this just between ourselves uh, last week. We didn't record it. But... I made the point that if you go back last week, like that's, let's be honest, that's going to be Felicia Spencer's only chance to be a UFC champion. So she would want all, in an ideal world, she'd want all that sort of pomp and ceremony and sort of publicity that would come with this once in a lifetime opportunity. And instead, she's doing it in front of what, 20 people in a warehouse? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty uh, anticlimactic if your whole life is leading up to that. It is, and I'm disappointing. So yeah, I would be disappointed. I mean, from a business perspective, I understand the UFC wanting to keep putting pay-per-views on. Oh yeah. In an ideal world, though, I would have held off until we got the crowds back. Really? So right now, you would have been in a better world if they just didn't make Ferguson versus Gaethje, and they just that never happened. (laughs) Well, I just think to myself. As amazing as it was to watch Ferguson versus Gagey, I also think to myself, what would the crowd have been like when they realized, oh my God, Tony's going to get stopped here? The crowd mm-hmm. would have been insane. Yeah, we wouldn't have been able to hear those corners at the end uh, in between those rounds where Gagey was taken over. We wouldn't have been able to hear that at all. <laughs> we wouldn't have been able to hear that that awesome work from uh, Whitman telling him to adjust and everything. We wouldn't have heard that at all. And we, I'm pretty sure Gagey wouldn't have been able to hear that either. <laughs> the crowd yeah. would have been nuts. Gagey definitely benefited from having less crowd. 
yeah, yeah, and definitely he didn't definitely didn't fall into the traps like he did in uh, the Alvarez fight or the Poirier fight. He didn't get careless. So we focus on what happened last last Saturday. We're going to focus on mm-hmm. what happens this Saturday. We've got another ESPN card which is happening on June the twentieth. A lot of criticisms about last week's main event. No criticisms about this one. Curtis Blades is taking on Alexander Volkov. Two guys who, dare I say, because of the logjam at the heavyweight division. Obviously, we've got Stipe versus DC. They're going to finally settle their feud. We've also got Francis Ngannou, who has been destroying everything and everyone. It sort of means that Curtis Blades and Alexander Volkov have sort of been a bit overlooked. Yeah, really. uh, Blades been sort of forgotten after that huge uh, JDS knockout. That was before the lockdown, am I right? Uh, just before the lockdown, that was the Rio Rancho pay-per-view, I think. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so, I think JDS has another fight booked up, too, against Yair. Uh, Jairzinho. Yeah, Yair uh, Rosenstrike, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yair Rodriguez versus Junior Dos Santos would not end well for Yair. <laughs> Yeah, I mix up my names there. But uh, yeah, a lot of people are forgetting about the Blades knockout. He's been putting some confidence in his hands lately, and it's uh, it's working out for him. He's got that perfect mix, in my opinion, to be... I think mm. if there was a Curtis Blades in any sort of division, he would always be a top-five fighter because his mm. wrestling is so good, people become wary. And now, because people are expecting the shot... He's coming in with the big overhands. Kevin Randleman was exactly the same. Yeah, it's reminding me a little bit, not completely, but a little bit of what Woodley was doing when he was coming yes. up on the rise. And uh, Koscheck fight was uh, probably the biggest sign that he was uh, getting those hands confidence. So, yeah, it's pretty similar to that. And a great call-in as well. Josh Emmett's taking on Shane Burgos. And another guy who I rate very highly, Burgos, because everyone's high on Calvin Cater. Burgos mm-hmm. gave him a hell of a fight at UFC 220. Yeah, that fight is a, a classic. I can see that being in like a modern Hall of Fame. If they had like a modern Hall of Fame class for, uh, you know, recent fights like that, I can see that. That was an incredible fight. <laughs> Same with uh, Burgos's fight with uh, Swanson. That was a great fight as well. It sort of reminds me, Burgos versus Kato, it reminds me a little bit of um, when Nunes and Shevchenko fought for the first time. It was sort of like a Quite early okay. in their UFC careers, but you sort of got the hints that both of them could go on to do good things. And I, mm-hmm. I felt the same way after I saw Burgos and Keita. And here they are both in the top 10 right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But tell yeah, you what, definitely. Josh Emmett can crack, mind you. That's, it's, yeah. it's the bodywork of Burgos versus the power of Emmett. Yeah, really, uh, Emmett, before that loss to Stevens, it was all about his power. Ever since that uh, knockout to Lamas, that, that really put him on the, the map, really. And since then, uh, since the loss, he really hasn't let off on that. He's still been getting those huge knockouts. That knockout against uh, Johnson, that was a huge knockout. Not not nice to watch. I, yeah. always, I always feel so sorry <laughs> for Michael Johnson, you know, because yeah. he's, he's got a lot of talent. And we've seen this with the guys he's beaten in his career. It's just, he always finds a way to lose a fight. Yeah, it's sort of a, sort of like Frank Trigg in his uh, Matt Hughes fights. He always, he's always winning so good at the beginning, but they, he always just seems to find a way to lose. But that could be uh, 
could be false of the referees of the time. I could see some of those huge fights being stopped early if Herb Dean was reffing them modern day. You've but... just watched the Yamasaki video, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell Definitely. you what, I did have... Obviously, I post all the videos that I upload onto the Twitter page to advertise them. And I got a like, I got a comment from a Mario Yamasaki fake page. <laughs> and for a brief moment, I did genuinely think, oh my God, the real Mario Yamasaki <laughs> has spotted my video. Yeah, I love that guy. That guy's <laughs> a great Twitter profile. <laughs> Who are you fancy? If only, we had a, if only we had a Mazagati parody account. I'm surprised nobody has done that. Well, it's been a while since Steve Mazzagatti was refereeing, so... Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he works as a timekeeper for the Vegas shows. I've seen him... Yeah, yeah, you can see him sometimes in the camera angle, so he's definitely still around. <laughs> he's definitely still employed. The referee I always loved, I don't know if he referees now, but can you remember uh, Greg Franklin? Greg Franklin? Rich Franklin's older brother was a referee. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that guy. Any other classic refs that you were sort of like forgotten about? Who's that chick? I forget that. <laughs> Kim Winslow. Yeah, Kim Winslow. There you go. Word of advice. Do not look up Kim Winslow's Disney cosplay. Okay. Scariest I'm thing you will ever see. <laughs> Maybe you can put a picture in there during the, uh, the YouTube video of this. <laughs> Who do you fancy between Blades and Volkov? I'm thinking... Um, it's been a while since we've seen Volkov. What was his last fight? Uh, Greg yeah. Hardy, Fight Night Moscow. Okay, yeah, he looked pretty good in that fight. But um, Blades, he's definitely gonna, it's definitely gonna be a cracker match. I feel like there's gonna be some definite big shots being thrown. Definitely think there's gonna be some cracking shots. But uh, man, if you put a gun to my head, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Volkov decision. I think if Volkov is going to win, it's either going to be by decision or it's going to be a late knockout. Volkov doesn't have the one-shot power to finish people. Yeah. He's much yeah, more sort of, a, um, sort of a cardio-based striker. He just eventually grinds mm. you down. Blades has shown he has that sort of one-shot knockout power, obviously, with what he did to JDS. Um, what it would be interesting to see is if Blades does turn this into a wrestling match, can Volkov do what he did to Vadoom? And neutralize him on the ground because that's how Volkov won that fight. Vadum mm -hmm. was getting yeah. the takedowns, but couldn't really do anything with them because Volkov's frame is so long that wasn't as effective as normal. And then eventually Vadum got tired, Volkov got himself back into the match, and eventually Volkov got the knockout shot. That's one mm -hmm. of my favorite fight nights, you know, the the fight night yeah. London card. I absolutely adore that card. Yeah, that's a great main event. I remember jumping up and down. That's a exciting main event. Because <laughs> you know what it was? It was, I'd always seen the sort of like Kane, JDS, and Vadum as sort of like this old guy yes. for the heavyweight division. So when you had Volkov knocking out Vadum, I just thought, we've got ourselves a new guard here, a new generation mm -hmm. of heavyweights. Because it was a few, I think it was a few weeks after Curtis Blades beat Mark Hunt. So again, it yeah. was another young heavyweight coming on the scene. It was it was exciting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now they're going to be battling it out. It's pretty funny that you say it was a couple of weeks before Blades and Hunt happened. So, yeah. What else is standing out for you on the uh, June 20th card? Just going through some of the fights which have been mentioned there. Josh Emmett versus Shane Burgos. 
Raquel Pennington and Marion Renault, Lyman Good and Bilal Muhammad, Jim Miller and Roosevelt Roberts, Clay Guida and Bobby Green. So there's a real sort of veteran fight there. Yeah. Tisha yeah. Torres, Bianca Van Buren, Mark Andre Barrio and Oscar Piokta. Courtney Casey's back in action. Very quick turnaround for her against Gillian Robertson. Uh, Matt, the steamroller for Vola, one of my favourite nicknames, up against Frank, the tank Camacho. So, battle of the great nicknames, that one. Uh, Austin Hubbard and Joe Selecki, and our girl Roxanne Modafferi is taking on Lauren Murphy, which, based on what we were saying beforehand, could and maybe should be a number one contender match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were pointing that out. Uh, pretty exciting to see uh, Clay Guida back in action. Real veteran there, holy crap. That guy's never going to stop fighting. And he doesn't <laughs> seem to age either. He still looks yeah. the same. Same hair and everything. That guy's got the quarantine cut for his whole life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Bobby Green, that'll be a good matchup. Can't it, wait for that one. It will and, uh, be. Jim Miller fight, that's the one that I'm also looking forward to. Catchweight as well, that's pretty unusual jim miller's one of those guys you know like jim miller is not the fighter that he was when he was he was close to fighting for the lightweight title but mm-hmm. i feel he's still got enough about him to still keep the youngsters on his toes he's sort of like what arlovsky yeah. is now yeah yeah that's a good way of pointing it out arlovsky now he's come uh, his chin is uh, aged like perfectly <laughs> like it's gotten better with age honestly i don't it's think it's that... so much his chin i think he's become much more risk averse i mm-hmm. think he's mm-hmm. he's not putting himself in positions where his chin could be exposed yes so strategically yes, a he's a lot better than he was and you look at some of the judges decisions that went against him like personally i thought he'd be walt harris i thought he beat sakai you'd be looking at Barca. Uh, two of Arsa as well, which I thought was a very close fight. I was surprised by how good Arlovsky was in that fight. Yeah, yeah, that was a very telling performance because I remember going into that fight thinking Arlovsky's going to get knocked out cold by Tui Vasa because Tui Vasa, he, was, he had a huge amount of steam coming on to that fight. Like that was first after... round knockout, flying knees for a heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. That was the moment for me that Tua Vasa hype died. I, I yeah. just thought this guy isn't as good as what the UFC is saying he is. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people were thinking he was a more agile in Ghanu. <laughs> in terms but of the I... people I'm looking forward to, Rival is probably the name that stands out for me. I loved his fight with Luis Pena, which again, very underrated competitive matchup. Uh, Brianna Van Buren looks fantastic in her debut, so I'm interested to see how she does against the veteran in Tisha Torres. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't you speak to Torres before? I'm pretty sure. I did, I spoke to Tisha Torres. Um... It was just a quick question which I posted on uh, Twitter. I um, I asked him and I said, is this the first time you've ever faced somebody who's shorter than you? <laughs> and she said, yes, it is. I mean, I fought a couple of girls in kickboxing who were shorter, but this is the first MMA fight I've had when I'm fighting a smaller opponent. And I believe, don't take this as gospel, it is officially the shortest fight in UFC history. <laughs> yeah. I think I've seen some shorter fights and maybe one championship and like there, I think Adam they have Wade a nice strawweight division. Yeah, Adam Way. I think I've seen some smaller fights there, but in terms of the UFC, yeah, definitely. I can't think of anything else. <laughs> uh, so that's happening on June the twentieth. Um, in terms of the other fights which have been happening, we have got shows which are going up to August mm-hmm. the twenty second. 
Um, just go through some of the uh, main events which have been booked. Davison Figueiredo and Joseph Benavides. That's July the 18th. Uh, UFC Fight Night on the 25th. Robert Whittaker and Darren Till. So our, fr our good friend Darren Till is going to be back in action. Uh, August the 1st, Holly Holm up against Savini Aldana. Potential uh, number one contender fight if Aldana was to win that one. Miocic and Daniel Cormier is also in action. Yeah. What stands out for you? What are the big fights that you should be looking at there? Well, the big one is uh, definitely Miocic versus Cormier 3. Very excited for that. That's probably the most excited fight I'm looking forward to. But uh, definitely uh, Whitaker versus Till, if that fight ends up happening, if Whitaker and Till make it there, that's definitely an exciting fight. One of the benefits yeah. I've actually felt of the lockdown has been that rather than having the three or four months to try and sell and build a fight and then yeah. the inevitable disappointment when it falls through, having fights booked on three or four weeks' notice, yeah. it's, I think it's dropped the amount of injuries that we've been getting. Mm -hmm. And it's all like, yeah. personally, I think if Tony versus Khabib was booked on three or four weeks' notice, it would have happened by now. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, the only one that really comes to mind is the uh, the Gane fight that got uh, that booked. Siri gone. That one got uh, rebooked or whatever. That's the only one that really comes to mind. But yeah, we're not really seeing that many injuries. But with the fight island, we'll see more uh, international fighters. Definitely. We will. Be. Right now, right now, we're only really seeing sort of localized fighters in the area of the arena. We're not really seeing any like international fighters like Aldo or anybody coming in like. It's really uh, sort of it's sort of blocking the um, the debuts of certain fighters in international waters like Yuri and Manel. Like they can't really fight if they're only doing these uh, Florida cards and these these California cards. They can't really debut. So it's definitely opening up the airways for more fighters to fight again. So we're going to be seeing definitely more diverse amount of fighters coming in now. I feel like we're not going to see the the Cerrone's, the Hernandez's, we're not going to see all those guys show up. We're going to see more type of uh, diverse type of fighters now. I'm surprised Angela Hill isn't trying to fight again. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised she's not fighting on 251 on Fight Island. <laughs> yeah, if Angela Hill had a wish, she'd fight on June 20th, 27th, July 11th, July 15th, mm. July 18th. She's that kind of active fighter. Outside of the main events, the fights I've been looking forward to just sort of moving into July and August. Um, I've been intrigued by uh, Pantoja versus Askarov. I think that could be a very mm -hmm. competitive fight. Um, out of morbid curiosity, Alexander Gustafsson at heavyweight fighting Fabrizio Verdu. <laughs> yeah, though, that's going to be good. You Can't wait to see that. You saw that Photoshop of him on Big Country's head, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I've seen that. That's, yeah. like, one of my favorite pictures. <laughs> one of my favorite ones, I think I retweeted it. Um, someone, they're doing the whole, the whole gender swap, face swap things. Uh, oh, someone yeah, did sorry. one of John Jones as a female, and I'm not joking, it's Serena Williams. <laughs> Can you send me that? that I will send you that link. <laughs> that sounds pretty interesting. But, yeah, those are nightmare fuel. I don't uh, know if I like those. <laughs> uh, don't look up the Brian Ortega one. Oh, God. That will, def that will definitely getting, confuse you. Pretty soon we're going to be getting deep fake MMAs, and we're going to be getting like live fight footage, and people are going to be doing face swaps of like Jones fighting Reyes 2 as a woman or something. We're going to see Snapchats coming out. I could see that if 
if uh, Snapchat comes out with like a deep fake filter where you can like motion capture someone's face and put someone else on there, could you imagine? <laughs> I found this internet account. Please don't tell me how I found this. He's where he sort of photoshopped Justin Bieber's face onto <laughs> MMA fighters, female MMA fighters. Oh so there's one of him as Paige Van Zandt, Valentina Shevchenko, Ronda Rousey. It's the most bizarre, weird thing you will ever see. Yeah, that's okay. I don't need to see that. <laughs> I do want to that's see nightmare fuel. I do want to see Ankalaya vs Kutalaba though. That's happening on the on two fifty two. Yeah, that'll be a great fight. I think. Uh, yeah, um, Kutalaba, he's fine. That'll be a good fight. I've I've said this for a long time. The light heavyweight division, like in those sort of lower top ten, top fifteen ranks. Because there's always been this idea that the light heavyweight division is just John Jones and a group of jobbers. Yeah. You go yeah. down to sort of the top six, top ten, you've got some absolute killers there. I mean, you've got Volkan and Yuri, because he's going to be entering the mix. You've got mm -hmm. Kutalaba, Ankalaev, uh, Alexander Rakic as well. You've got some really top level 205 fighters. I think that's a division which is really starting to enter a new guard. And maybe if John Jones was to lose at some point... I think that could be, dare I say, a good thing because it would allow that new guard to come to the fore and create some new, intriguing, and exciting matchups. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in terms of now compared to like when, let's say, like when Corey Anderson versus Jimmy Manuel were headlining like UFC London, like compared to now, it's way better, way oh, better. You go. What about when you had like contenders. Shogun and Little Nog in the yeah. top ten? Like both of them are like yeah. forty years old. <laughs> I think Shogun. He's still. He's fifteen. He's still in the rankings. That fight's happening, you know. Shogun and Little Nog Three. That's happening on the Till Whitaker undercard. Holy crap! Okay, yeah. Exciting. Winner store. of that is definitely not fighting again, or the loser. That's a retirement fight for both of them. Yeah, yeah. I feel like both of them should just go out. Whatever happens, just. Finish it. I, I, <laughs> I think I might have. I think I might have read somewhere that Shogun wanted to retire after the uh, after the Paul Craig fight, but then okay. that ended in the way that it did, and he thought, "I can't yeah. go out like that. I need one more fight." Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll have to see. We'll we have to see, but we certainly I... will. I think it's a very fascinating time for the UFC, and considering <laughs> we're not even fully operational yet, we're still doing stuff in a warehouse. We. We haven't even got the international fighters yet. I think it's very fascinating stuff. And I'm glad to see that we're also seeing as well a lot of other MMA promotions starting to come out of hibernation as well. I think mm. one are doing their first event after lockdown uh, next weekend. Yeah, I think it's China only, though. I'll have to figure out some VPN way to get around that or something. But yeah, I think they're doing a, like one of their super series. That's like their fight night, sort of, basically. So, what yeah, if, they're starting off with that. What about one um, saying they're going to uh, produce their own PlayStation 5 game? Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Doubt that will ever happen. So, <laughs> if, if Chartree is to be believed, it'll sell more than Red Dead 2. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> but, like, if he goes to, like, any American developer and he asks for them to make a game for them, like, who's going to accept that? Arvind wants fantastic right now. Who would accept that, though? Like, you can't go to EA. Like, EA wouldn't make that. <laughs> you would have to go to, like, maybe, like, 
2K1 or something. Like you'll have to go to 2K Studios or something. I don't, Not after I don't the job they, they did with the to... WWE game. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't know who you could go to. Like sports games right now aren't aren't very good if you haven't noticed, Carl. <laughs> I won't be buying PlayStation Five, but that's my my own reasons for doing so. I just I mean I'm 31 years old. I've got a life and a mortgage to pay for. It's the future. It's the future. They I've only, I've only just bought Netflix. That's how far behind I am. <laughs> yeah, it didn't even reveal price, but I'm a PC gamer, so I don't even really care. Most of those games do come to PC like a year after, though, like the big ones, like that Death Stranding game that came out like last year. I think that's coming out next month or something on PC. So, yeah, we can talk about video games all you want. But we shall do. I'll tell you what we'll. <laughs> I tell you what we'll do that on the next episode. I want to say a big thank you to everybody who has been joining us for today's show. <laughs> a big thank you as well to any new listeners that we'll have uh, that are coming from the northeast of England. Uh, this has been us talking about what's been happening in MMA over the past week and what could be happening over the next two months. I want to say a big thank you to Claire for joining us. Claire, um, <laughs> keep up the good work in terms of the YouTube channel. Any updates on when your next video is going to be? And the next one is going to be a big, big one. I think uh, from now on, I want to only do 10-minute limit videos. I want to do a 10-minute minimum for my uploads. Because if I'm doing them so infrequent, if, like I've tried to get them out every every week, I've tried to do that. But it just it's not possible. So I decided if I'm going to do one a month, it's going to be big videos. So... It's the quality to turn into the JF Combat, I guess, a little bit, if you could, or the Montage King a little bit. It's going to be definitely quality over quantity now. I've found that balance to be so hard. I think yeah. that yeah. it's that you want to try and produce content that your audience knows and likes, but at yeah. the same time, you want, to be, <laughs> you want to be doing new things. And I'm, I'm sort of feeling that struggle as well, because obviously... When you look at, say, when you're doing like the worst Mario Yamasaki moments and it's getting like 20,000 views, <laughs> and then you're doing the preview show, which is about like 500 people wondering what the hell you're blithering on about. <laughs> it's, it's hard to do, but you've got to broaden your horizons. You've got to try new things. You've got to be more than just a stereotype. Yeah, I'm thinking, though, no. I could either pump out a pretty big video or you might just see Focus Cody come up pretty quickly either one of those well i'm looking forward to it either way i want to say a big thank you to uh for you for joining joining me on today's show uh this yeah, has no been inc radio i have been carl bainbridge that's been clay richardson mm, yeah pleasure to be here i can't wait to be here next week i guess maybe we'll get a special guest or something going well let's certainly hope so um and that's all the time that we have for the show whenever we do get back online i want to say a big thank mm -hmm. you to um anybody who does join us we hope to see you again, possibly next week, possibly with a special guest. You never know with this show. So, bye-bye for now. <laughs>